everyone i'm here with another episode of currently binging the podcast about all things tv and movies if you're listening for the first time welcome make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to my voice on also take a few extra seconds to rate comment all greatly appreciate it so we are discussing queen charlotte a bridgerton story this is i wouldn't really call it a prequel because we do get as far as the timeline it's a past and present timeline so in a way yes it's a prequel because we are focused on the past um but again we are in the present timeline as well so there will be spoilers if you haven't watched this then you should stop right now <laughs> so uh, I guess I can give you all my like overall reaction right now. I usually like weave it through or save it to the end, but I actually really enjoyed uh, this show, Queen Charlotte, because, well, there are a few reasons why. I did appreciate, and you all probably know where I'm going with this if you've listened for a while and know how I feel about season length or the length of a, a season of television. I did appreciate that this was only six episodes. I felt like six episodes was enough. Um, and I say that I feel like six, six episodes were were enough because there were moments throughout where it was like, you, because you know there's those moments where it's like kind of fillery and you're like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, okay, can we like move it along? Like there were a couple of those moments, but it wasn't dragged out so long that had this been say seven, eight, nine, ten episodes, then I think that it would have felt a little weighty as far as the length of the season. I believe Bridgerton, both seasons are, were like 10 episodes or eight episodes. I can't remember, eight to 10 episodes. So that was that was one reason. Um, the second reason was just the story overall was very interesting. And I'm not sure if this is actually based on a book like, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. But don't quote me because I did not look this up. Whereas like Bridgerton is based off the series of books. Um, I did appreciate in the beginning of this that they had the Lady Whistle Down. I don't know why I always want to say Whistle Town. I, I feel like I did this <laughs> for season two. But uh, she, in the intro before episode one she reads like she's reading one of her um letters and pretty much is like listen this is loosely based on uh real events but we're pretty much making we've taken liberty and it is fiction and we've done what we want to do with it like pretty much being like this is not historical historical fact this is loosely based on historical fact and we made some changes. So we don't want to hear you whining about it on the internet because we all know there's been a lot of whining and pushback when you read the comments about either Bridgerton or even this, well, Bridgerton because of the time period that it's in and it is a very diverse cast. And then Queen Charlotte where everyone's like, Queen Charlotte wasn't this and blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, I... I like history. Uh, I am probably more well-versed in American history than in British history. You all know, as I, as I watch these things, I kind of do research and I'm like, oh, okay. So when we talk about something like The Last Kingdom, I feel like for the most part, I can follow along. 
<laughs> where we are in the timeline. But like Queen Charlotte, I feel like I've seen some somewhere where they were saying she appears to be mixed, but I'm not sure that that is 100% fact because no one was able to prove it. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not the British historian, so please don't come for me, <laughs> if you will. But yeah, so setting expectations pretty early on. This is what you can expect. Uh, and you whining about it is not going to change anything. I did not know that Queen Charlotte has so many kids. <laughs> because when we think about this in comparison to Bridgerton, we only really see of her family, we only really see Charlotte. We don't see anyone else. We don't even really see the king. I think we saw him once, a handful of times, we'll say. But we knew at that point because he is known as the Mad King, at least when you look it up, um, look up the history or whatever, he's known as the Mad King. And so other than him, I don't believe we've ever seen any of her kids. So when we go into this and in the present, it's like her oldest son's wife died in child during childbirth. Again, they're taking liberties. None of this is fact, at least I don't believe so. I did not look any of this up. I'm just assuming this is all made up. <laughs> but, uh, or like a lot of, a lot of liberties were taken. Let's say that. Uh, so her, her oldest son's wife dies in childbirth and also the baby dies. And so the big issue in the present timeline is that everyone's worried because essentially her line could die with her kids because they are not giving her legitimate heirs. They are out here in these streets and giving her uh, kids that cannot ascend to the throne. So you all, like you all know, when you have an illegitimate child and you are the heir to the throne or a kingdom or whatever, the legitimate child usually trumps the illegitimate child, even if the illegitimate child is older. They don't even really recognize the illegitimate child, but that is why in olden times, I don't even know if any of this is still accurate today. I would have to think we've changed our ways. Not this piece I'm about to say, but like in general of like the illegitimate child cannot take the throne, blah, blah, blah. Like it should just be whoever is the child of that person should be able to take the throne depending on when they were born. But anyway, that's why back, back, way, way back, back, when they would have these illegitimate child, children, like when they was just out here just killing people. <laughs> this sounds so crazy. Like when I listen to myself saying these things. But when they were just out here killing people, that's why if there was an illegitimate child, they would take that child out. Now, it may not be when they're a kid. It could be when they get older. Um, I honestly don't know because I didn't live during that time. But like sometimes they would be like, they don't want them to come back and have a claim to the throne. So anyway, <laughs> so big problem is that she's afraid that her bloodline is going to die with her kids because they are not giving her heirs. So she is very super focused on that. And we also kind of get to see her as a mother this season, specifically in the present timeline, because we don't, we get like a little glimpse towards the end in the past, but it's mostly in the present with all her kids. We can see there's that her relationships with them are 
are very strained and we get a little bit more insight into why that could be. We see her have the conversation with her, I believe it was her, both her two oldest, the oldest girl and the oldest um, boy saying, like, you've never really been a great mother. You've always been distant. You don't really care about us. You only really care about us giving you babies. Which <laughs> is just, just, it's just wild. But it's just like, you have to give us babies. Like, that's all we care about. <laughs> I can't even. It's honestly making me think of Love is Blind, uh, the reunion. And I'm not even going to go there. If you watched it, then you know what I'm talking about for this last season. But <laughs> wild. So, so they're all like, yeah, you're not a good mom and all that. And so in the past, we do get to see, which is why the another reason why I appreciated this season or enjoyed the season um, more than I would say Bridgerton is because the overall story of Charlotte, the relationship between, and also, I mean, they did kind of focus on sex a little bit but when I think about season one especially and just some of the dialogue and, and again I'm assuming it's because it's based on <laughs> a book that they probably pulled a lot some of it from the book but some of the dialogue was just like cringe okay and I will link my thoughts on season one and two of Bridgerton in the in like show notes or whatever so you all can go back and listen to what I had to say about them but there's a lot of sex in season one. And then I said I enjoyed season two more than season one because it didn't feel like there was this obsessive um, focus on sex. <laughs> but then we get to this one. And again, it doesn't feel like an obsessive focus on sex, even though they do have their like moments, but it's not like the only thing that matters. And it feels like they genuinely care about each other and their stories together and individually are interesting because you have Charlotte very, very much knows she is is different coming into a world because she's already coming from like a, a place of status from where she's from but then she's coming into this new era of status where it's like oh now you all are trying to mix up the people I don't know how we feel about that and so there's this weight that she is put on her shoulder that she doesn't really seem to realize in the beginning of the season. It's not until uh, Lady Danbury tell, gives her, like says that whole thing about her having a wall up and not seeing essentially all the people who are, who essentially are her, I don't know how to say it, but it was like all the, all the people who are looking up to her, all the people who look like her, like she is opening the doors for them smashing glass ceilings <laughs> for them. <laughs> no, I don't like a little like cliches stuff like that. But anyway, so that is what uh, she is dealing with. So it's seeing her navigate that, but also being someone who is very headstrong. No, when we meet her, she's very much like, I know what I want. When her brother comes to her or when she overhears her brother signing her away she's pretty much like what is going on this is not what I want for my life I don't want to get married and then we see her struggling in the beginning she tries to run away that's when she meets George for the first time clearly something is going on with him because her whole thing is why would they go and find someone that they do not know have never met to try to get them to marry 
the king, there has to be something going on. Her brother is a little bit like, hmm, maybe, I don't know. But, and that was kind of irritating to me, which I guess, if you think about the time and his position and his POV, but still the whole fact that he just folded and essentially, what did he say? Cause y'all know, I have my notes. So, um, he said essentially that <laughs> y'all know I laugh at my notes cause I read them back and I'm just like, Eva, Eva. <laughs> I wrote, they both think the reason they sought Charlotte out can't be good because they don't know them but her brother is not for the shits and tells her he had no choice in to do her duty <laughs> so that's what i wrote but essentially paraphrasing to be like this is your place this is what you need to do essentially at that time women especially if you're marrying a king you are a birthing vehicle to birth the next person or persons who will potentially ascend to the throne. That's literally what you are supposed to do. And that's why a lot of times, especially during those times, the marriages were um, matched, like the parents would match people up or they would try to find the right breed. It sounds really, really not the best way to describe this because it's almost like comparing it to animals. But they try to find pedigree to me is also, even though I feel like they use pedigree, but pedigree also to me feels very much like animals, dogs. But they try to find people with the right status, the right background, the right family to match them up and be like, you are worthy of being matched up too. And some of that, I mean, not, not now, now, but as recent as, oh my gosh, 30, 40, 20, 30, 40 years ago, if we think about just using using the, um, the what are they, like King Charles now and Princess Diana, like they were matched and there was no love there. So you end up a lot of times with um, a loveless marriage, but it's really because they're expecting all they want is a son, essentially, uh, if you think about the real world. Or even, but even though now that's no, no longer a thing, but I'm sure back then it was like, we want a son, the daughter can't ascend. <laughs> but in the, in this Bridgerton universe, I would think a woman could, could ascend, but I don't know, actually, I don't know that we ever talked about it, but anyway, we're getting off track. So he pretty much was like, do what you need. You need to do your duty and don't complain about it. And so when we, when she meets George, I feel like when she meets George, I feel like she sees it as intriguing. I would say intriguing. Uh, and there's some interest there visually, whereas he visually as well is intrigued. But I'm not sure if it's any, if it's also maybe like a challenge. And I'm not sure if it's from him or for her, but I do feel that aspect. <laughs> When you think about them together. And so immediately they get married and the mom, his mom, I called her moms in my notes because she was, she was momsing hardcore, but, uh, princess Augusta played by Michelle 
Fairly, who actually, I was like, what did I recently just watch her in? Games of London, that's what I re recently watched her in. So it was interesting to see her in this role and not try to, she always plays, at least in the things I've seen her in, she plays a mom and a mom where you're like, do I or do I not trust her? <laughs> so it was kind of the same thing here where, where she was saying it was for the best of George and the best uh, for the country, but it was also a lot of like self-interest for herself. So yeah, so they get married, have a really cute little ceremony, do a little dance, and then it's time to go back to the castle and do what it do, which the castle was called, did I write it down? I don't know why I want to say Hogwarts, Hogwarts, but it's not Hogwarts. I wrote down here somewhere. Oh my gosh, what? Windsor is Windsor. Uh, what were they calling it? Because today I believe we call it a castle, right? Or what? I don't know what we call it, actually. We call it Windsor something. Again, as I'm saying this, <laughs> I am not the. The British expert, so do not come for me. Okay, maybe I didn't. I tried to find it in my notes, but I can't find it. It'll come to me. But essentially, they go back to the house, and he pretty much was doing a drive-by drop-off. <laughs> like, this is your new home. This is where you will stay. I will stay all the way in this other humongous castle, essentially, and that will be that. That is the marriage. Can you imagine you get married to somebody and they're just like, so this is your house. Good luck. <laughs> and then they roll out. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she was not here for it. So it was supposed to be their honeymoon and she essentially spends a lot of it on her own. She can't do anything because they cleared her uh, diary <laughs> because she's supposed to be on honeymoon and Princess Augusta already got the count. I don't, I can't, I'm, I can't remember what they're called, but we're going to call them the councilmen or the council members. <laughs> she already got them breathing down her neck because they don't even believe that her son is fit to be king or that he is, did what he needed to do to secure the marriage, which is consummate the marriage. And so she is essentially trying to understand what is going on. And that is when we get to see more about Lady Danbury. Now, Lady Danbury in Bridgerton is a very interesting character because she's always there. She was the matchmaker um, for through the first season because I can't remember what uh, he was to her. If he was a nephew, I don't think he was a grandson, but he was related either way and made the match with him and uh, Daphne. Bridgerton and then she's just always been there season two she was there and so she's very interesting we know she is single on her own and so the other interesting thing about this and I guess it's because I do like historic historical things so it's kind of like history of this historical historically fiction show so history of Bridgerton <laughs> if you will hopefully that makes sense but I think that's also why it was intriguing because we've seen these characters and we don't know how or why they got to where they are. And so Queen Charlotte gives us 
that view into how and why they are who they are in the present timeline, in the Bridgerton present timeline. But it was also interesting because Lady Danbury got some secrets (laughs) in her life because her husband, so she was someone who had a loveless marriage and was essentially just a breeder uh, for her husband, which I didn't even know she had kids either because we don't ever see them. We saw them a couple times in this season or one of them. And then she makes note that I believe in the present timeline that her kids like all left and went off and little and live in other areas and are essentially not where she is, which is would be a reason why we don't see them. But I just thought it was interesting. Like both of these people, meaning Lady Danbury, Queen Charlotte, how all these kids and we never see them. I mean, granted, Bridgerton is not about them, but that's why it's also fascinating because we learn so much about them that we don't get to learn in Bridgerton. <laughs> Because I clearly did not know. So um, we get introduced to her because Princess Augusta puts, expands Charlotte's court and puts more Black people on her court. And Lady Danbury is one of them. So she becomes Lady Danbury and her husband becomes Lord Danbury. And so we get to see her navigating, especially after he dies because he is old when we're introduced to him. And so he ends up dying during about halfway through the season. And so now she's trying to navigate what her new position is because she's been been kind of working with not really Princess Augusta, Princess Augusta keeps seeking her out for information because she knows that there is a relationship between her and Charlotte. And so she wants her to give her like all the dirt. She goes to her when she's like, did they consummate the marriage? What's going on in the house? Every time she feels like because she's had so much control over, I don't even want to say George or (laughs) I don't even want to say control, but she's had her hands. Yes. Kind of control. She's been the puppet master for a while because George was just kind of doing his own thing and she was running things in his name and now he has his wife and she's feeling left out, cut out. And so she's trying to get this information from this person who she feel, who she feels like she's pretty much given her a much better life. But then um, Lady Danbury at one point tells her, because I believe, I believe she's like, oh, do you, what do you more do you want? Do you want money? Talking about uh, Princess Augusta to uh, Lady Danbury. And she's like, I don't need your money. We come for money. <laughs> and so it was like, I guess she told you. So, uh, and so it was just like that positioning in life. Because even though they got the title of being like Lord and Lady Danbury, because and they don't, we don't really call it segregation, but essentially there is some, there is some classism hap. There's classism. There's, um, I want to say like some segregation happening here. If when you had a a whole group of people who are excluded from being able to participate in all these different types of things that, uh, Lord, Danbury was trying to do, but he he kept getting the runaround and getting told no, getting getting turned around, and so that was one of the things when she was like, "Oh, do you want money?" She's like, "I don't need your money," and she essentially tells her 
that you're going to make sure that my husband can get into whatever door <laughs> that he wants to get into and that he doesn't get turned around, which is essentially like put some respect on, on our names. Uh, and so I think that that just speaks to and kind of builds a story around how La Lady Danbury is who she is today because we got to see her struggle through, or not struggle, but navigate being in this new position and then being a single woman during during this time in this position. Uh, and then also come to find out that she and, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Violet Lady Bridgerton. Come to find out she was out here, had a whole side little one night thing <laughs> with her father. And I, I mean, I guess. I don't know why I would think that they were around the same age, but I guess Lady Danbury is older. And so not surprising, but that was one of the things where it was like, you knew that that was coming. As soon as he saw her at the ball, when they threw the ball um, at their house, Lady Lord and Lady Danbury, they threw that first ball of the season when his wife was talking out the side of her neck, talking about this is, this is not right. They shouldn't. She's she's doing too much. How is she going to throw the first ball? We're not going. And then everyone was pretty much like, we're not going. And then that's when, um, this, you all know I don't like recapping. But that's when <laughs> she goes to Charlotte and is like, look, you can't be having a walls up because things are happening and we're trying to have change here. And I'm going to need you to drive the change be be the change driver and so um that's when everybody ends up showing up but the fact that his wife was talking out the side of her neck and then when he first saw her at that first ball we already knew we already knew that that was going to come so when that ended up happening after her husband dies and then she uh ends up running into him when she's like walking what she thinks is her property but doesn't realize it goes up against uh his property um his family's property it was like oh we already know what's gonna happen and then when uh violet found out in the present it was like oh <laughs> the drama can you imagine can you imagine so 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 interesting <laughs> Because she found out because Lay Danbury kept the, the little paper crown that she wouldn't dug up. And then she dug it up and then just had it sitting on her mantle behind a bunch of stuff. And then, of course, she found it. As soon as, uh, that was another one. As soon as she went, was searching through, through things, it was like, oh, she's looking for that crown. And uh, what's her name? Violet's probably going to find it, which she does. Um so yeah, so that was interesting. And also getting to see Violet as a young girl and her relationship with her father and to see that she kind of had him on a pedestal, which is kind of similar to her relationship with her husband because she's been running the household on her own, trying to marry off all of her kids and hasn't really opened herself up to anyone else. And so we see her struggling with that as well and you would think it was interesting to see that Queen Charlotte well Queen Charlotte and Lady Danbury like it gives this whole season gives more light into their relationship overall and like why they're so close 
but then also to see um, Violet intersect intersect in that as well and kind of being bought in a little bit and then seeing her connect with um, Lady Danbury more and like confide in her when she's like, at first I thought she was describing going through a hot flash, but she's like, no, I need a man. And so seeing her uh, open up about that as well and saying she's ready to be with someone because she has been with someone since her husband died. That was interesting. Uh, the way that they did George's story, because we spent majority of the season. Yes, we spend majority of the season. So the first three episodes is the the honeymoon and then we get Coronation Day uh, episode three. And that's all for the most part from Charlotte's POV. And then we get episode four where we kind of go back to the beginning. You all know because it's a Bridgerton story, all the songs are instrumentals of our favorite songs. And so the fact that the instrumental for episode four was Deja Vu was very fitting because we go all the way back to when he dropped Charlotte off at the house on her wedding night and was essentially like, peace out. Um, we go all the way back to the beginning and kind of find out he's been working with this. I won't tell you what I had him noted as in my um, <laughs> notes, but essentially this doctor who, because they don't really know what's going on with um, him. To me, it seems like, what did I write down? It seems like he's like bipolar, but I don't think that they had a name for it at that time. And so the doctor is trying to use these very extreme measures, which George is saying you can use to, so that he can act as a normal person. Because when he first has his breakdown, which we find out, or at least the first one that we see, um, and initially I was like, does he have anxiety? Because it seemed like he would go into these episodes when he was giving, when he was given very stressful news. So the first time we see him have an episode is when his mom is like, oh, you're getting married. And he's kind of laughing it off like, uh-huh, Because uh, uh. it seems like she's probably been saying this for a long time and just hasn't happened. He's like, oh yeah, no, that's not going to happen. And then she's like, oh no, it's happening. She's on a ship right now on her way here and your wedding is next week. Then he has an episode and then there was another one a little further up, which I feel like the doctor did on purpose when he runs into him in the kitchen, him and Charlotte are in a good place and he just drops, the doctor drops on him like, oh, she's pregnant, she's expecting and he has another breakdown as well. So to me, I was like, okay, is it anxiety induced? But then we find out later on, I believe it was his mom or someone was saying that he's been having these episodes for essentially all his life. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. But I did like episode four going back from his perspective, perspective because it gave insight into what he was doing while Charlotte was alone during their honeymoon and you kind of the con the contrast between the two where she's very lonely she's wondering where he is she's kind of sulking a little bit doesn't know what to do um and then he's going through these very extreme 
I don't know what they call them, not rituals or exercises where he's being dumped in cold water. He's, his food looks disgusting, very scarce compared to the abundance of food that she's been getting. So I don't know, I, th I thought that was an interesting way to shed light f for the viewer and be like, okay, this is, this is what has been going on. Because we already, as a viewer, we're coming in knowing that he is King George of the Mad King. We know there's something wrong with him. We know this from the beginning. And so we're kind of on a journey with Charlotte where it's like she doesn't really know what's happening yet. And we're watching like, oh, we know. When is she going to find out? And then when we get to episode four, uh, after he has the episode, she finds him at the end of episode three and she finds him in the garden talking to the moon, which is kind of like, okay, this is when she finds out. Um, in episode four, now it's like, okay, viewer, you already knew what's going on with him. But like, did you know the extreme measures that he was going through to maybe give us a little bit more or to make us sympathize with him a little bit more? Uh, so I appreciated that. And I also liked their relationship because you could tell that they both genuinely loved and cared for each other. But at least for him, he was holding himself back because he didn't want to hurt her. And then I think for for Charlotte, I'm not sure that there's a little bit of naivety there because she does, didn't really have a woman in the household to be like, this is what you need to do when you get married. Like even the whole scene with her and Lady Danbury when she drew out the sex, the sex positions with chalk. I was like, what is happening? And they were very good photo pictures too. Whoever drew them was very detailed. Not detailed, but like enough that you're like, okay, we know what you're talking about. I thought that that was so funny. <laughs> but um, there was that. And then she, her knowing that something's going on, but her kind of like, uh you know, something's going on, but eventually I will find out and asking him questions, but not really getting full, complete answers. And you know, like she genuinely cares for him, for him, especially when we have the even days, which is episode three, because they were, they will only have, they had consummated the marriage. And then she overhears him talking to his mom. And it sounds like to her, what he is saying is, I did what you told me to do. I consummated the marriage get off my back as in he didn't really care for her and so then they have this whole even day thing and she held that against him and so they finally have the breakdown where it's just like no more even days we're just gonna be together and then he has this episode she finds out what's going on and then he essentially runs away again and goes into hiding and brings back the doctor <laughs> who has him going through all these horrible things and she doesn't know until she essentially is like, no, take me to see my husband. And she sees what conditions he's in. And it's also the contrast between her and his mom, because when she finds out and she's like, no, he, this is not going to continue. You are fired. You're no longer welcome here. And then when the mom calls the doctor in and he's like, well, I've been let go. And she's like, but why? Like the fact that she knew the ex extent I'm assuming she knew the extent to which he was going with George, that it was just not ethical or safe. I don't know. His mom is a very, very interesting character. 
But the one person, because I want to make sure that I talk about this person, Brimsley, I was like, oh my gosh, is Brimsley, Brimsley's uh, storyline as well with Reynolds, which I'm just like, every single person in this season was very interesting. Their stories are very interesting. And I genuinely cared about a lot of, a lot of them throughout this, but his story and him with Reynolds, which I thought was also very obvious that they were a thing because when he got, when they first arrived, what was that? The, not the wedding night, but the first time that after the wedding, when Charlotte was like, I want to see my husband take me to his, um, I'm just going to call it a palace castle, whatever. <laughs> and she goes and they get up out that carriage and it was a look and I was like, oh, I see where this is going. And so it was not a surprise at all. But his story is very, very uh, sweet because you have to think about the time that it is. Not a lot of people are probably um, out. A lot of people are probably hiding, hiding their relationships and he couldn't get married. So a lot of it was done in secret. And then the, the, the sweet moment where they, they threw a party, Charlotte and George after the council, the council people were like, listen, either he need to talk to his people or he not going to be king anymore <laughs> because he had an episode when he was supposed to go and talk to parliament. And so Charlotte was like, okay, we're going to throw a party at our house and everybody showed up. And then finally, like they're there, they see him. He says something. Everyone's like, okay, we can breathe. Everything's fine. Um, and so everyone's dancing. And then you see like the moment where they kind of like pull away and you see, Brimsley and Reynolds dancing and then it cuts to the present you see Brimsley dancing on his own it's like oh my gosh this is so cute it's so sweet it's so sad but no I think that his his relationship with Reynolds is very interesting because they are both pretty much in the same position but for two different people and so their focus and concern I can't remember what they call them but essentially, like, they are to follow them around and be with them every single step of every single day. And so their motive is their individual pe person. So Reynolds is George and Brimsley is Charlotte. And so they are always fighting for the best interest of their person. And so it was interesting to watch that dynamic because you know, like, who they care about and who they're fighting about. And so to see them clashing on that and Brimsley being like, you need to give me more information. What is going on here? Clearly something going on. We saw him being worked on by the doctor in the basement. He's like, what's going on here? Is, is he is he sick? Like, you got to give me something. And so him kind of balancing the trust of this person who he's in a relationship with, but also this person who he is supposed to be 100%, 1,000% focused on and have the best interest of. And like, what is what is the balancing act there? Because he wants to tell, and he does tell her some things like, I saw him in the basement with his doctor. <laughs> Something is going on here. I'm not getting a lot of information. So you see him kind of towing the line between that. Uh, and then seeing how they navigate and Reynolds' reaction to that. And him being like, oh, I told you this in confidence and you can't, and you went and you 
said something anyway then him be like well what did you expect me to do you're not giving me much to work with here also this is the person that I'm supposed to be looking after so I don't know I thought it was very interesting I thought that story was very sweet uh and I want to know what happened to Reynolds like <laughs> where is he because we do not see him in the present we do see uh George in the present towards the end when Charlotte finally hears from her after she force, force, forcibly married her two of her sons off because she was like, ah, it's no longer in your hands. And now you all are about to get married. I found you wives and that's that. And so she finally gets the news that um, one of them is expecting. And then she goes and finds George to tell him, which was very sweet as well, because he we know he's been pretty much not in the right mind for a while because I think at least based on like historical historical records or whatever you want to call them I'll just say Wikipedia because you all know the wiki is is loosely we gonna loosely reference because anybody can go in there and make edits <laughs> but uh he I think he was fine for about I can't remember what it said I want to say 10 years was it really 10 years and then after that he um kind of declined and no one really saw him so we had that sweet moment where she goes to tell him but he's like right on the walls and then she gets under the bed and that's kind of like it feels like a safe haven for him to remember who he is and who he's talking to and she tells him Oh, the the news about their son and the new heir. And then they do like the little flashback between the present versions of them and the past versions of them, which is just like, oh, so sweet. <laughs> but yeah, what else did I forget? Did I forget anything? Let's go through the instrumentals because I was like, okay, you all are really leaning on Beyonce here a lot with the instrumentals. Um, what was episode one? I think episode one was the one where I I was like, did I miss it? Oh, no. Episode one was Halo because I wrote finally an instrumental. Episode one was Halo. Episode two, I don't remember hearing anything in that one. Episode three was If I Ain't Got You. So I was like, okay. Episode four, Deja Vu, as I mentioned earlier. Episode five, run the world, girls, girls who run the world, yes. And then episode six, nobody gets me and I will always love you, which the nobody gets me. I was like, you all, I don't know how, I don't know how, but every single time I'm like, now I got to go find the soundtrack so I can listen to the instrumentals. But yeah, and so... I talked about Lady Danbury. I talked about Violet. I didn't really talk about Charlotte's brother, but there was a moment where he proposed to uh, Lady Danbury and she turned him down, which we know. Uh, they did call Queen Charlotte marrying King George the great experiment as in mixing the mixing of people as in the mixing of different races, which is wild. And yes, yeah, I think those are the main things. Overall, again, I really enjoyed the season. Of if of all the Bridgerton things, I would say 
This is definitely number one in my book, then season two of Richardson, and then season one. The one thing I didn't say, which I made like this <laughs> random comment, because when we first see um, Violet in the present, she's surrounded by what looks like Daphne's kids. And I think I said something along the line of like, why does she always have Daphne's kids <laughs> or something like that? Uh, I can't find it. I wrote it somewhere in my notes, but I can't find it. But I said something um, along the lines of she always got Daphne's kids. Yeah, I can't find it. <laughs> now it's no longer funny because it took me so long to find it or try to find it or attempt to find it. Oh, yeah. Now I found it. As I said that, why she got Daphne's babies, which is not that funny now that I read it, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's it. So I believe the next season of Bridgerton we're getting is Penelope and Colin's story. Don't know when that's dropping because normally, well, actually not normally because season two did not drop around the same time as season one. But this season of Queen Charlotte dropped around the same time as season one of Bridgerton. So we may not get season three of Bridgerton this year. I mean, we could. It might be in the later half of the year. But that's the next story. Um, I feel fulfilled <laughs> with where we left off with Queen Charlotte. We don't, it's a limited series. So usually when it's a limited series, you, I should say, generally when it's a limited series, we don't typically get another season, but we've seen that happened before. I do know that people, there seems to be an appetite for another season. I do think that there's some, still a lot of, of places that they could go if they were to do a season two. I did though want to read one of the things that, um, Shonda Rhimes said, so I was reading an article. She said something along the lines of like, I'm never satisfied when I make a show, but this is the first time ever that I made a show that I turned to um, the show's producer, Betsy Beers, and was like, if I retire tomorrow, tomorrow, I'd be fine. Which I mean, I get that because overall, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> the show. Uh, and then also I, in the same article, they were saying a lot of the cast said that they would be on board to do a second season if they got another season. Do they need another season? Not really. I think there's material there for an, an additional season. I do think we need to like get through the Bridgerton folks <laughs> so that we can be uh, done with them because a lot of the groundwork that they laid in, in Queen Charlotte helps to fully round out who we see as a Queen Charlotte, a Lady Danbury, a Lady Bridgerton in the Bridgerton series. So that is all I have for Queen Charlotte. I want to know what you all thought <laughs> about this show. Let me know all the things and I will talk to you all in the next episode. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at Currently Binging on Instagram and at Current Binge on Twitter. Also, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and I'll talk to you in the next one.